What if your patient is violent? What if you are faced with a tyrannical colleague? You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing a recently published book for physicians, What If? The Physician Survival Guide. In this segment, we will be focusing on some of the problems we faced as medical students. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University in Chicago. With me today is Dr. Ronald Goodspeed, co-author of the book, What If? The Physician Survival Guide. He is president and CEO of the South Coast Hospitals Group in Massachusetts and is board certified in internal medicine. Welcome, Dr. Goodspeed. Thank you very much, Dr. Benson. Uh, You can call me Michael. Uh, We are pleased to have you on the show. So what do you do if your patient is violent? Violent patients uh, certainly happen far more than you might think on that first blush. There's actually information uh, from the United Kingdom in which physicians were surveyed that showed that at least one-third of physicians had experienced a violent patient. So it's a situation that you could easily run into. The obvious situation when a patient is just overtly violent and thrashing about is a circumstance where the first thing you need to do is, as a student or resident or physician is to get help. You can't really approach this situation by yourself. It's not a martial arts game by any means. If you're able to leave the exam room when this develops, you should do that immediately and get help. If you're not able to get out of the exam room because the patient's blocking the way, you need to stay as far away from the patient as possible. Really don't attempt to physically attack or hold down the patient um, because you're basically just standing in the the way of of the violence. And call out for help. I see. So you don't want to uh, tackle the patient yourself. Uh, As you said, it's not judo or karate. And I think safety is probably the most uh, overriding concern, both for yourself and for those around you. Yes, definitely. I think that sometimes as male physicians, we might be prone to getting angry in response and, and physically trying to restrain the patient um, with some force, which is really not a good idea for the patient or for yourself. But in actuality, Michael uh, observed one situation where I saw a female resident state out loud, I think I can take him. I don't think that's the best way to approach this. So don't take on a violent patient. How did you get started writing the book? An old friend of mine uh, contacted me and, and t- talking about an idea of, of a book for physicians that would be different situations that they might encounter. Some of them might be unusual or situations that they probably didn't have formal training in in their education. And as we talked about it further, it just seemed like a great idea. And developing a list of those situations was really not that difficult. And so it just went from there. How did you pick a publisher? F.A. Davis is the publisher and that old friend was actually an acquisitions editor there, Andy McPhee, who I've known for a long time. He and I had worked together in the past, and he felt that my broad experience was something that could bring some good information in, in teaching on the different subjects. Another question that your book deals with, and this is in the section for medical students, is a question that I particularly liked since I had to wrestle with it as a student, and I'm sure all of us did. What if your patient thinks you are a real doctor? Yes, that certainly has happened to all of us. And it's a very tempting situation, particularly after all you've been through, uh, to get to the point of becoming a, you know, a third-year medical student or a fourth-year medical student or even a, a junior resident. It's very tempting to 
allow the patient to continue to think that you're a real doctor. I mean, you almost are, and it, it just adds to the temptation. But in reality, what's fair to the patient and really fair to yourself is to be open and honest with the patient about the fact that you're a medical student, if that's what you are, or you're a first-year resident, and a physician in training. I think that you could probably avoid these situations if we were better at introducing ourselves when we first had contact with a patient or in the patient's family and made it clear at that time what our role is and you know, where we are in our, in our stage of training. What if the first patient you're assigned to examine actually refuses? That was another question your book addressed. Yeah. For the medical student who encounters that for the first time, it's really a very disconcerting set of circumstances, and it's very tempting to uh, take it personally. The same kind of thing could happen, not so much as a first uh, episode, but there can be various points in your career where a patient might refuse to be examined by you for any number of different reasons. I think the first thing is, number one, don't take it personally and remain very polite and explain more clearly to the patient why you're there and what you're intending to do. Usually uh, it's a situation where your purpose is actually to do an admitting history and, and physical exam on the patient, and you can explain that to them. That may solve the problem, but it may not. And, and if it doesn't, I think the next step is to try to ask the patient if they would be at least willing to answer some questions and be willing to talk about their symptoms and, and, and the problems that have brought them to the hospital. And that most patients are willing to do that. And as you work with them on that and do the appropriate questioning that you go through for you know getting the chief complaint and uh, history of the present illness, the patient may get very comfortable with you Um, and your ability to treat them respectfully and may actually, at a later point, decide that they are are just fine with with continuing an examination. I think that if if that doesn't work out um, at that point in time when the examination uh, is in order, then uh, you politely excuse yourself and tell them that you'll be making arrangements for somebody else to examine them. Many times it's a gender issue. So you'll be making arrangements for someone of the same gender to uh, come and examine them. If you have just joined us, you are listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Ronald Goodspeed, co-author of the book, What If? The Physician Survival Guide. He is president and CEO of the South Coast Hospitals Group in Massachusetts and is board certified in internal medicine. Today we are discussing the recently published book, For Doctors, What If? This segment has been focusing on some of the problems we faced as medical students. Uh, Another question that I particularly liked is, it's your first day of residency and you feel your acceptance was an error and you don't belong there. I'm dying to hear the answer to that because I'm sure everybody's had that feeling. Well, and and I'm sure many people, many uh, physicians never had that feeling. But I know I, uh, from a number of friends and from my own personal experiences, I did have that feeling on my first day of, of in medical school, as a matter of fact. And it's, it's not an uncommon thing. I think the circumstances you're in is your, your, it's your first day in medical school, it's your first day in residency, um, and you may just have this feeling that you're surrounded with people with 4.0 uh, averages coming out of college, um, the smartest people in their class, and it may just feel to you like you're not exactly sure how you got there. And maybe, maybe your 
uh, is puny compared to them. Um, but what really uh, you need to do is start to make use of one of the key skills that all physicians need to develop, and that is your observation skills. It was Sherlock Holmes who really caused me to think in terms of observation skills as a physician in training. I think most people know that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of the Sherlock Holmes stories, was a physician. And some people feel that Holmes was really a representation of a mentor physician that Doyle had. Well, what Holmes often said to Watson, besides elementary, my dear Watson, was, Watson, you see, but you do not observe. And that's a key skill for physicians. So as that first-year student, maybe your first day, you should look around you and look at those students around carefully. And you realize pretty quickly that you're surrounded by the same uh, menagerie of students you've been surrounded with starting in kindergarten, same spectrum and the same kind of behavior that you've seen for so many years. And the fact of the matter is you're all there because you deserve to be there um, and you're on equal footing. And the competition is truly over. Uh, it's time to start working hard to learn medicine and that's the responsibility you have to your patients. Now, another question that uh, I think comes up during medical school is you've been one-upped by another student during rounds, another student showing off. So what do you do then? Well, I think uh, we've all been in that situation, and that usually happens when that other student still thinks it's a competition. And I think the first time it happens, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it. It's a little bit annoying, but if it's a first-time event, I would just let it lie. However, if this continues um, and, you know, the same student or same resident is continuing this approach, it's not an unreasonable thing to pull them aside and talk to them about it and talk to them about how you don't appreciate the way that this is being approached. And when it's one-upsmanship, what's happening usually is you're not allowed to finish answering the question that the attending or the senior resident is asking you. And so at a minimum, you should be explaining to the person that out of courtesy, they should at least allow you to finish answering the questions. If they have something they want to add that would be helpful for the entire team to know, um, that that's perfectly fine. But just have the, the respect and politeness to allow you to finish your sentences. What if you're asked by a senior clinician, have you ever seen one of these done before? What should the medical student say then? Well, I think that... Uh, We've all had that situation come along, and the, the phrase that comes to mind for me, that old adage of watch one, do one, teach one. You must have heard that one before, Michael. More than once. Yes. And there are some who used to tell me, skip the watch one part and just go ahead and, and, and do one. But my recommendation is to watch one at least. It's a good idea to have a, a visual feeling for the procedure, and that's really what we're talking about here is uh, procedures, things like lumbar punctures or starting an IV, you really should watch one at least and, and have the procedure explained to you so that you can have that, that visual preparedness. Because we're, we're talking about with the procedures, you're talking about some uh, manual skills and hand-eye coordination, and you really want to have an understanding about it. It's also helpful if, in preparation for the time that you would have the opportunity to do one that you've read about the procedure and read about the technique that, that's supposed to be used. So my recommendation is to not exaggerate and don't say you've seen one when you haven't. And when you do watch one, pay close attention. Now, all that being said, I would also caution not to get stuck in the uh, 
well, I think I'll watch one more of these rut. Because if you do that all the way through your training, you will never have the opportunity to do the procedures. You'll never ha- have the uh, opportunity to feel what it's like. There's no way to teach you how it feels when the needle pops into place when you're doing a lumbar puncture. So you do need to have the opportunity to, le- to learn procedures by doing hands-on procedures. I want to thank Dr. Ronald Goodspeed, co-author of the book, What If? The Physician's Survival Guide, who has been our guest. We have been discussing his recently published book for doctors, What If? In this segment, we focus on some of the problems we face as medical students. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.